Howdy, and welcome to Long Drive Home in the Dark. I'm your host, Patrick Mason, and I'm here to answer questions concerning the Catholic Church and Christianity in general. It's a long ride home uh, in the dark because it's dark right now and I'm driving, and if I had a camera on me, you wouldn't be able to see me anyway, so it's just audio. Um, <clears throat> i start by saying that I am not uh, Vatican-approved or Bishop-approved or any of that, and I'm not going to be seeking that necessarily simply because I do not have access to, uh, ready access to the Bible or the Catechism or Papal documents and what have you, Code of Canon Law, uh, because I'm driving, and I need to focus on the driving. And so what you get on this is merely what comes out of my brain when I can remember, and so there's always a possibility that I could be wrong. Uh, about something, or, or misremember it. In general, I try my best to be faithful to the Catholic Church, and if I don't know a topic, uh, I try and defer, or only speculate in those areas we're allowed to speculate in, which are quite a few areas, um, but if I say anything that is not in accordance with the teaching of the Church, please call me on it, um, and I'll, uh, I'll get the correction out there. So, on to today's topic. This is this is part four. A uh, question posed to me, why do I believe in God? Uh, my belief in God is not a simple one. Uh, it's built on a lot of different blocks. And so we're into part four. Quick recap, part one, I exist. Um, I've got a mind and a body, and I interact with the universe that's outside of me. It's also got other creatures in it. Um, part two, maybe also part one, but... The, uh, the universe we inhabit is objective. It exists in other... It exists in three dimensions. We experience it through time. And we experience it through forces. Uh, and the, that's how we get the directionality of time is through how the forces interact uh, with each other and with us inside the universe. And then last, part three, we talked about the nature of those forces uh, and the three... Um, kind of governing rule sets, um, this more or less can be pared down to uh, physics, Newtonian physical laws, uh, as well as special general relativity, um, although those aren't uh, expressly necessary for this topic, but the Newtonian laws are, especially um, can't, every action causes an equal and opposite reaction. The conservation, and then the conservation laws, mass momentum, and energy, and then the thermodynamic laws of, um, especially those concerning entropy, um, that you can't, you can't get something for nothing, and you can't even break even. So, those are the three. <coughs> Sorry, I'm still getting over a cold. Those are the three biggies we covered. Um, so now we move on to the nature of the forces. We touched on that uh, very briefly at the end of the last uh, segment I did. So what is the nature of these forces? Um, or I guess we've already kind of uh, set the physical boundaries of the laws. And um, because of those um, physical, because of those laws that govern the nature of the forces and the energy that is expended to... Uh, exert the forces we derive a question um, 
So we've kind of, we've, we've sort of built our framework of what is this universe that we uh, inhabit and interact with. And now, now that we've described sort of the baseline of the universe and the forces that interact within it, and we've sort of answered what are these forces. Well, we haven't really asked that question, but the, the, the next question to ask is where did the forces come from? So this comes from... All right, so I've got uh, forces at play, and they only, they're not self-derived. So each action has uh, an opposite, equal and opposite reaction, and a body in motion uh, stays in motion unless acted upon, and a body not in motion uh, does not begin in motion until acted upon. Um, Coupled with conservation of uh, energy, and then uh, couple that to the thermodynamic laws in play. So what we have is that every force uh, acted upon an object uh, first causes a reacting force, uh, and second produces or uses energy uh, in that reaction, and some of that energy is lost to us in a usable form. Uh, Typically we call that heat um, or unusable heat. Uh, And that is, when you really break it down, just uh, vibration of particles. So if you take that out to its logical conclusion, so uh, action, reaction, force, uh, opposing force, um, time and again, you know, as time moves forward, uh, and each, uh, react, uh, each force action interaction reaction causing a loss of energy, eventually you get to some state in the future where there is practically no usable energy. This is often referred to as the heat death of the universe. Um, and it's kind of theorized as a sort of um, all mass and energy in the universe is sort of widely equally spread apart from each other with uh, all the, the particles, the mass particles that are in existence vibrating um, at pretty much the lowest possible energy they can be while still being constituent in themselves um, and, no, and nothing else really coming out of that. So everything's just kind of shivering in the dark uh, more or less because there's no stars at that point. Um, I suppose given the current conditions of the universe, uh, what we know about astrophysics, uh, we could get there. But that's kind of the, the theoretical endpoint you get given the current state of forces and the application of the Newtonian laws, um, the conservation laws, and the uh, entropy laws, the thermodynamic laws that... That's where we'll get to. So, um, the question back from that is, why are we there now? And so, the question back from that is, uh, or the the implied answer to that one is that there had to have been a state previous to this one, uh, in which the usable energy content in the universe was higher than it is now, since. Uh, as time moves forward, we have kind of a continuous play out of uh, chain 
reaction, action reaction of forces and the and the energy being used up, um, and being conserved, but not for our uses, aka an increase in entropy over time. Therefore, um, there has to be a state before ours that was lower in entropy, aka there was more usable energy, not more total energy, but more usable energy uh, before our current state. Um, And so that's kind of, (laughs) if you pull, you know, from the one logical conclusion, if you pull back the other way, you kind of get to this uh, this theoretical beginning point, um, which is corroborated by um, authoritative knowledge about the nature of the universe we inhabit. Uh, and I say authoritative because I have neither done the uh, redshift, blue shift spectrum, nor the radio wave analysis, um, but we are told by... Um, authorities and pretty much uh, every major player is agreement on this one that the universe did begin uh, at close to a single point or a very small amount of space um, with all the energy and mass, mass energy, whatever you want to call it, um, combined in that short space and then all of uh, space and time also, so the entire universe (coughs) in that small space and then it expanded out from there. Um, and that would be our, that would correlate to our theoretical zero entropy, um, all usable energy state. And so we correlate the, the logical, um, potential beginning point given the laws of physics, uh, conservation and entropy or and thermodynamics seems to correlate with the, um, experimental, not my experimental, but the authoritative experimental uh, knowledge we are told um, through science, and science with a small s, not a not capitalized science with an exclamation point. So that is what we have. We have some sort of theoretical beginning point where entropy equals um, practically equals zero, in which all energy is usable. And from which all our um, our kind of chain reaction of action reaction forces starts, and so that's sort of the derivative from that is that if you have this uh, entropy <coughs> equal zero um, point, then you have to have, then that has to be the point at which the uh, forces in the reaction, action, uh, conservation, and entropy laws kind of took, came into being and took effect. So the question we are faced with at that point is, uh, where did all of this come from? Um, Since we have a time zero, and we have a XYZ zero, uh, practically speaking, the next question that uh, hits us is if we have those zero points and we have kind of a beginning state where uh, entropy is zero or practically zero or in the reality it doesn't need to be zero, 
it just needs to be the biggest or the smallest it's ever been. Uh, it could be like, you know, 50%. You could have started out with 50% unusable energy possible. But um, for our purposes, we're just going to say zero. So the question then becomes, um, given what we know about our universe, the fact the forces do not derive in and of themselves, uh, every action causes a reaction, um, the conservation of mass momentum and energy, uh, we know that the forces don't cause themselves, um, but we also have a T0, so we can't have a circular chain. Um, because we have a T0, it's a straight line. It, it's not a circle. Or, you know, it doesn't need to be a straight line, but the line doesn't come back on itself. So that leaves us with a question mark about where the initial energy came from, uh, where the starting point came from, what was the, the force that kicked off all the other forces, what was the prime mover, what was the, the thing that added the energy to the universe in the first place. Um, and we can't say anything from the universe did it because we know from the conservation laws, nothing from the universe, you know, we can't make matter, we can't make energy, we can't make momentum, but something did. Um, and so finally we reach uh, the fullness of building block one, and I, I bet several of you are thinking, oh, so that's the proof, I'm like, no, that's, <laughs> that's building block number one. Um, so that something, that we'll call him prime mover because it meets up with a lot of other philosophical proofs. Um, but we're going to, so we're just going to call him prime mover, but that prime mover is what we refer to as God. And so that I believe is where we will end tonight's discussion. So we finally got to the G word, the, the God word, um, although we're, we're far from done, but that is the, um, beginnings is we get to the fact that there is a beginning uh, but none of the conservation laws, Newtonian laws, or, uh, or you know, the conservation laws and Newtonian laws don't point to there being a beginning. Um, only the entropy law really does. Uh, so the question mark is, how do you uh, configure both of those? If we know there's a time zero, but we know you can't add mass, momentum, and energy, how do you get mass, momentum, and energy in the first place? And how do you kick off a force? Of starting force and uh, the answer is something outside the universe had to do it because it couldn't be interiorly in the universe because that would violate the various laws we've got and so we are left with something outside the universe did it and that's something we are going to refer to as God. This has been the long drive home in the dark. I am your host Patrick Mason. Have a good night. That is the long drive home. I hope you have a good drive home or have, are having a good day or whatever, however you listen to this, that you're doing well. And we will end with a prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear God, the Father of heaven and earth, we thank you today for the graces of our day thank you for giving me a safe drive 
and give all the listeners uh, your grace and your uh, mental acuity so that they may sift through the spaghetti of uh, random concepts that I presented to them so that it is intelligible. Uh, Dear Lord, in your name we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. May your will be done. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day. Thank you.